Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. We're come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. I'm Ace Edwards, right alongside... Connor Balthazor. And today, even though we missed our Wednesday episode, because what were we going to do? Because that's normally our preview day, and it's hard to preview a bye week. We're still going to be doing the weekly recap episode, as well as another segment that we are pretty excited to do. But let's just dive right into it. Let's start with the soccer recap. Now, the we had a big-time victory last week over the University of Kansas. 2-1 in overtime after both a long weather delay and a delay for the power going out in Lawrence, Kansas. I don't even think it was in the entirety of Lawrence, Kansas. I think it was just the stadium. <laughs> yeah, I think literally only the stadium lost power. I wasn't able to watch this game, but I did kind of vaguely follow it on my phone. I remember uh, we had recorded, I think, that evening. Yeah. And uh, we were like, yeah, the game starts at 7. But then I checked my phone at like like 8, and the game had not started, I don't think. It was somewhere around there. And then, like, just going in even later, it was like, okay... Nothing is happening with this game. But it eventually got going. And then after it got going, they had the power outage, which was pretty <laughs> late in the first half, I believe. Just kind of sounds like a mess of a game out in Lawrence. But it's Lawrence. Dub the is art dub. everywhere couldn't protect them. Yep. It, it was actually probably what took the power. You know, they, they had the power <laughs> on the yard. <laughs> And the, the airport. Yeah. There. yeah, the new airport that's coming up. That, that takes up a ton of power to soccer. <laughs> the soccer park is not a, uh, a high priority on the power list. Yeah. Anyway, K-State ended up winning 2-1, like I said, on a last-second goal with one minute left in the first overtime. So it's always good in any sport to win the Sunflower Showdown. So not much to say there. You got the stats pulled up, even though they're listed as twos and ones. <laughs> Yeah, K-State's website is a little bit messed up. Instead of K-State, it has 2-2-2, and KU has 1-1-1. We know what it is, though. But K-State wins this goal. Uh, the first goal they scored, there's highlights of it out there. It was kind of a weird, fluky goal where uh, Kyler Goins uh, sent it um, into the box from almost midfield, and it just went through the goalkeeper's hands into the goal. Uh, Bill Buckner, okay. Yeah, th- I, I don't know what to say about that. It happens, I guess. Not often, but it does. And then um, Kansas, they answered about half an hour later. That goal was in the seventh minute by Kyler Goins. And the 36th minute, Shira Elanov, uh, she scored a goal. I remember seeing the highlight on it. Uh, Elena Beremeyer, she had uh, like two incredible saves, and she just couldn't do anything about the third deflection. I mean, there's only so much that you can do. She had an unbelievable game. Uh, and then Kaylee Thornhill, as we said, uh, she put away the game at the very end of the first overtime because college soccer overtimes work. Uh, it's a golden goal, so it's just uh, first to score wins. Uh, it's sudden death. Uh, she was assisted by Brooklyn Entz, and Kaylee Thornhill just sent it and hit it. I think it dinged it off the post as well in the uh, 99th minute of the game. Uh, so pretty excellent stuff. Uh, shots, KU did have a pretty significant shot advantage in this game, but luckily the play of Elena Wehrmeyer uh, kind of negated that. Um, K-State had a total of nine shots 
and five on goal. KU had 19 shots of 11 on goal. Uh, KU put 10 shots up in the second half. And But saves, K-State had 10 saves on 11 shots on goal, which is just absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, that's nuts. Yeah, KU had three saves. Um, K-State only had four corners to KU's 12 corner kicks. And K-State had 10 fouls to KU's eight fouls. And I do know that historically KU is a pretty good soccer team. Uh, last year, I believe they were ranked in the top ten, at least when we played them. Yeah, they're five, seven, and one now. Yeah, not doing as hot, but they have been talented in the past. So for our purposes, we will continue to assume that they are a very talented <laughs> team. So, Woo! Yeah, not biased at all. A lot of yellow cards went out this game as well. Uh, Jesse Lauren had one in the fiftieth minute for K State. And then two uh, Jayhawks uh, sisters, it looks like, had yellow cards. One in the 55th minute was Raina Childers. And then one in the 82nd minute was Ryland Childers. That's kind of interesting. And then uh, Kyler Goins had a yellow card in the 89th minute. But all around, uh, KU looks like they played a pretty solid game. But they weren't able to come through in the clutch, and they had a very, very costly goalkeeping mistake early on. So, Cats come out of Lawrence with a big-time dub. Yeah. And we are currently playing West Virginia, who's ranked number 9. We are tied up 1-1. to Connor is freaking out because when we checked it before the episode, it was 1-0 in favor of West Virginia. But now we're all knotted up. If we're still doing the episode by then, we'll let you know the result. But moving on to Owen, oh, we're also playing number 23, Baylor, on Sunday. That is Sunday, October 10th at 1 p.m. at home. So if you're available, not doing anything, go ahead and support the Soccer Cats. But now let's move on to the Volley Cats, who played a series, conveniently enough, against Oklahoma. This last weekend, we had two games. The first was a loss 1-3. The second was a victory Three sets to one. So obviously, first game didn't go as great for us. Second, we ended up pulling out a victory. So we split the series. Uh, Oklahoma's been looking fine this year, from what I've seen, at least in terms of their record. But the four stats, we had Connor. Yep. The first match, um, looks like Kese took the first set, 25-23, and then dropped the last three in a row, 25-20, then 25-23, then 25-20. So they were in all of these sets. It wasn't like they got blown out of the building. Yeah. But. Like Baylor. Yes, it was not like that. But they uh, they could have done a lot better. Uh, Aaliyah Carter had 55 attack attempts, which is just absolutely <laughs> nuts. She had 16 kills and 9 errors, so not super efficient there at all. Uh, Sydney Bolding had a very efficient day. Uh, 20 attack attempts, 12 kills, 2 errors. Uh, that's a hitting percentage of 500. So pretty excellent day for Sydney Bolding. She's been performing pretty well recently. Um, but yeah, not the best day for Aaliyah Carter. Uh, Tayana adams Kanoe, uh she continues to be excellent there in the middle uh, with setting and uh, digging. But no, those are volleyball words. And, <laughs> volleyball words. And, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, tough L for the Cats. That dropped them to 0-3 in Big 12 play, and after an eight-game win streak, they uh, had a three-game losing streak. But they were able to come back in that second match against OU, win 3-1. Uh, 
to break that losing streak. They dropped the first set 25-19, and they went on to win the next three, 25-22, 25-19, and 25-16. So as the match went on, they got stronger, which is really nice to see. Uh, let's take a look at the statistics here. Uh, Leah Carter still didn't have the most efficient day. She had fewer attack attempts, only 44, only, air quotes. Only. Um, uh, she had 15 kills, and again, she had 9 errors. Uh, Katie Fernholz, she had a very efficient day. 18 attacks, 9 kills, and just 1 error. Really good to see there. Holly Bonday, she had 43 attack attempts, 20 kills, and 4 errors. So really good there. Uh, so offensively, the Cats seemed like they got it a little figured out at least. But... A win is a win, especially when you are getting better throughout the match. They also had seven aces this game compared to just two for Oklahoma. So all around pretty solid performance for the Volley Cats on the road. Too bad they couldn't take both, but you will take a split on the road. Yeah. And they have a very long period off between this game and their next. Their next matchup is against West Virginia in Manhattan on the 14th of October. So, again, if you're in town, not doing anything, by all means, go and support the Volley Cats. That pretty well wraps up the recap segment this week. And now, we're going to just call it the wacky segment of the week, even though it's not particularly wacky. It's just a segment this week. Yeah, we'll call it wacky. It's nice to have a wacky segment of the week, so we'll say that it is. Yeah. So, we set out to, Connor and I both set out to make the ultimate college football coaching staff. From head coach down to position coaches, we set out to fill out a staff, and the only rule was that they could not get demoted in any way. So, in other words, we can't take NFL coaches, we can't say, take Kirby Smart and make him defensive coordinator, but we can, however, make D2 head coaches, bring them up, or make lateral moves to bring coaches from bigger programs into a different position. With that being said, we will alternate our choices here. Oh, and also another rule is neither of us can pick the exact same person for the exact same job. And since I did this first before Connor did, that led to a couple of contentious picks. But well, we'll bring those up as we get to them. We'll bring them up as we get to them. But we will alternate telling our choices. So it'll go, I mentioned head coach, you mentioned your head coach, and then you mentioned your OC, so on and so forth. But starting off with the head coach, and I hate to be basic, but I told you that the goal of this for me was to build the absolute best coaching staff that I could. And right now, I feel the best head coach in college football is Nick Saban. He's not overrated. He's an absolutely amazing recruiter who is able to put his players in a good enough position with his defensive scheming and how he's able to build a coaching staff and work around them. Whenever you could have a successful team with Bill O'Brien on your coaching staff, that kind of shows your coaching that your coaching chops. So. Love him or hate him, Nick Saban in this hypothetical world is your new head coach of the Kansas State Wildcats. So have fun getting actual five-star recruits consistently now. 
I'm looking forward to those days. Uh, so, of course, I was not able to get Nick Saban. I did not make the obvious K-State pick for this either, partly because when I picked my head coach, I thought that you had already taken this guy. <laughs> so, so I still was able to get him, but not for head coach. But I decided to go ahead and go with Luke Fickle. He's the head coach of Cincinnati. Uh, he's doing incredible things there right now. I mean, he's got uh, the Bearcats as a top five squad, and they're a group of five school. And they're very talented across the board. They have, and it isn't just like, like UCF was great, but they were an offensive juggernaut. Cincinnati's really good at everything. Mm-hmm. They just went on the road and won at Notre Dame. And Notre Dame just absolutely just dominated Wisconsin, who, while they're not having their best season, they are, moment. <laughs> yeah, they are not a pushover team by any stretch of the imagination. Remind me to tell the Grammert story on the podcast sometime, like in an offseason episode. Okay, uh, I will do that. But Luke Fickle. He's been great. Uh, he's been a great recruiter as well to Cincinnati. Uh, Desmond Ritter at quarterback, uh, Sauce Gardner uh, defensive back on the other on the other Amazing end. Amazing nickname. <laughs> Isn't that unbelievable? Sauce Gardner. That's unbelievable. Get him and Reggie Stubblefield on the same NFL team. I don't think so. Sauce Gardner and the Sauce Boss Reggie Stubblefield. <laughs> that. That, I, I think that would like violate some rules. The Geneva Convention. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a war crime to have both of those guys on the same defense. <laughs> but yeah, Luke Fickle, uh, I went with him. I could have taken like Kirby Smart or I don't know, like Jimbo Fisher, Dabo Swinney, or Ryan Day or whatever. Liz Leipold. I mean, technically yes. Urban Meyer. No. Well, no, I literally can't. He's he he was oh, right, NFL. My bad. Well, for now. For now. <laughs> He's about to get fired. Yeah, goodbye. So, yeah, he'll be gone here in a week or two. Call your shot, say so he's gone. Yep, Urban Meyer, gone forever. But, <laughs> but yeah, Luke Fickle, uh, I took him as my head coach. All right, so now you got first OC. Yep. Uh, I went with Newland Isaac. He's the uh, offensive coordinator slash running backs coach at Coastal Carolina. Coastal Carolina is doing pretty awesome stuff on offense right now. Ace especially loves him. I really I really like him as well. Ace especially likes Coastal Carolina. I love the pistol. Uh, so, at Coastal, they run a lot of pistol. So, yeah. there's not much to say about that. Newland Isaac isn't like a household name or anything like that. But, they're, they're, they're pretty nice. I was tempted to take Jamie Chadwell as my head coach, honestly. But, I, I just wanted to stick with the offense because that's what I really like about that team. So. Yeah. So, you and I... T- they have fun fact about Coastal Carolina. Uh, for the uninformed, they have co-offensive coordinators. You took the one that coaches the running backs. I took the one that coaches the quarterbacks. I took Willie Korn, who's the OC slash quarterbacks coach. And the reason I took the quarterbacks coach over the running backs coach is because Grayson McCall, who in his own right is very talented, he's not like a physical specimen. But he's still consistently as good as he is, and I'm willing to put that up to the quarterback's coach also calling the plays, knowing his quarterback, and being able to develop him quickly enough to where he was in the conversation for best quarterbacks in the nation as a true freshman. <laughs> Pretty incredible. Like, I remember watching them for the first time, and I thought that Grace McCall was like a redshirt senior. Oh, <laughs> he was a freshman. It was crazy stuff that they were doing over there. So you got D.C. then. Yep. I ended up taking someone from Cincinnati as well. I Originally, I was going to take their D.C. from last year, but he's now the Notre Dame D.C., and while Notre Dame is still doing all right, 
Mike Tressel, the current Cincinnati defensive coordinator, is still doing well in his own right, commanding a defense that has just beat Notre Dame. So, and the reason I picked Mike Tressel from Cincinnati is because Cincinnati is someone who consistently does more with less. So their defensive play calls are really creative. Their way that they scheme up coverage as well as pressure is very unique, and they're just a very well-coached defense. And I trust Mike Trussell to come over to K-State and bring that energy right back to him. For my defensive coordinator, I went with what I thought was it ended up being the obvious pick after neither of us took this guy as head coach. And well, me because I thought that you had already taken him, but and then uh, you didn't have him as your D coordinator either. But I went with Brent Venables as the Clemson defensive coordinator. Uh, he's like he's the dream head coach for K State right now. Uh, I I just didn't take him other than Climate, of course. Like he was the he was the dream back in 2019 and for years before that. Uh, I still he he still kind of is, but he's. Uh, in the minds of most K-State fans, he's the perfect fit. He's an alumnus. He was a coach here for several years. He was really excellent. Uh, he's one of the best recruiters in the country, uh, and he consistently has fielded one of the best defenses in the country as well, year in, year out. Uh, his defense may be the only reason that Clemson has won games this year. because yeah, the offense Cause, is cause, Yeah, because their offense has been just utterly awful this year but their defense has been clutch per usual per, per usual and then also if we get him we might be able to flip Jaron Kanak so. <laughs> oh also uh something I forgot to mention we were allowed to pick three coaching positions where we could have co-coaches yes. forgot to mention that at the beginning uh it's not next because next is special teams coordinator we, we could have co-special teams coordinators I guess <laughs> no, not much reason to yeah, so you got special teams coordinator first. Yep. Um, I went with, uh, since you took the obvious pick uh, before me, I, I took the next obvious pick, which was the guy that was just here at K-State as the special teams uh, quality control coach. That's Stanton Weber. He's currently down in South Carolina as an analyst. But while he was here, uh, he was the uh, coordinator here for, I think, only a couple of seasons, maybe a year or two. And uh, his first season... I don't remember. I don't recall if 2019 was his first and only season, but anywho, uh, in 2019 he was a special teams coordinator. I think it was his first year, and uh, Casey. I think we led the nation in kick return average and had four kick return touchdowns that season. Three with Young Blood, and then one with Knowles. So Stanton Weber, he was doing pretty excellent things with uh, special teams in his a brief time as the special teams quality control coach here at K-State. So I'd want to bring him back. Yeah. And I also brought someone back, Sean Snyder, who I understand there is some contention in regards to Sean Snyder. Uh, if Nick Saban can knock certain people who will remain nameless into shape and buy into the program, I trust him to get Sean Snyder into shape and keep him in the program and be a great special teams coordinator because he already was a good special teams coordinator yeah he just he apparently created problems with other people allegedly allegedly who's to say um most people but we'll we'll leave that alone yeah 
So now we move on to the quarterbacks coach, who this was another one that Connor wishes we did like a snake draft for. <laughs> Imagine if we did that, like a snake draft. That would have been kind of fun, actually. Let's do a live show where it's a snake draft of just, of coaches. That, that could actually be really fun. So we can have three people show up, um, counting us. It would be us and then... Nordy. Nordy Chelsea. <laughs> Anyway, I ended up picking the obvious choice that is actually realistically attainable still, and that is Randy Hedberg, the North Dakota State quarterbacks coach, who I'm surprised he has yet to get an offensive coordinator job. But because this is my world and I can grab whoever I want and no one can stop me, we're getting Randy Hedberg to coach the quarterbacks the quarterback's coach of Carson Wentz, Easton Stick, and Trey Lance, all of which were drafted, Trey Lance and Carson Wentz, within the top five. <laughs> and Stick is still on the Chargers roster. Yep. Yeah, I think he's the backup. Yep. So they're, they're figuring things out of their embargo. Yeah, North Dakota State, I think, has more like quarterbacks on roster than most Division One universities. I think you're right, which is kind of insane, right? But yeah, I was very upset that you took Randy Hedberg because <laughs> he was another guy that I really wanted on my staff. But that's one that we can actually realistically get. That is true. K-State could realistically get him. If Colin Klein were to move on from being the quarterback's coach here, then uh, Randy Hedberg would be definitely number one on my list. I mean, just guys hire him to be co with with Colin. Yeah, even that. Yeah, you could do that. Bring him in as, like, co-offensive coordinator and quarterback's coach. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if Hedberg is, like, a good play caller. He, I could have gone for the easy shot there, but I'm going to Yeah, you Yeah, ju you just keep your mouth shut. <laughs> I'm going to show respect. He had a good game last week. But then um, for my quarterback's coach, since I was unable to get Randy Hedberg, uh, I, I couldn't really think of a coach from like another university that i'd really want the qb coach um there's been lots of quarterbacks that uh, like like a lot of the quarterbacks recently they've been getting drafted and performing at a very high level they've kind of been scattered yeah across many universities mm -hmm. so and you brought up a great idea and i kind of took a different spin on it you said peyton manning and i don't want to copy you so i ended up going with drew Brees. As, we can pick former players so yes there's no rule that says we can't like he's currently just Chilling. Yeah, he's chilling. I think he's maybe doing some TV. I some think commentary, so. maybe. So, if he'd be interested, gladly take him as the quarterback's coach. Uh, he actually, I believe his Purdue Boilermakers, I think they beat K-State in a bowl game back in the late 90s, if I'm not mistaken. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, I think it may have been that '98 season. Well, I'm not going to continue on this track. That's that's those are old wounds. I don't want to. I don't want to pick those up. <laughs> but, but yeah. But yeah. I actually really, I actually really like that Breeze pick, because Breeze towards the end of his career could not throw the football more than fifteen yards, no. and yet the Saints were still like a top ten offense. Yeah. He because he are do have yeah. big brain. Yeah. Breeze is an excellent football mind, and he's also just a really good guy. Period. He may be a bit stupid. He 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 may <clears throat> be a little stupid, but he's very nice and he has a great football iq he's a good-hearted man he he means well <laughs> most of the time yeah <laughs> and, but he would be someone that would immediately uh 
improve the staff, obviously. I mean, but not no shade intended, but, I mean, he's Drew Brees. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's Drew Brees. I, Jameis Winston sat behind him for a year and went from literally turnover machine to, like, average NFL yeah. quarterback. Yeah, Winston went from being cut and being, like, a, like, backup that never saw the field to... Like I, like I literally one year with under breeze like in learning and then also a LASIK surgery. And then he went to being like a very serviceable quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, who knows what Drew Brees could do with like a, the Will Howards and Jake Rubleys of the world? Will Howard throwing for eight million yards. I would take it on checkdowns to do so. <laughs> I don't care how we get the yards. <laughs> I'll take them. So yeah, you got running backs. Yeah, but this next guy, I went with another retired player. This one hits a little closer to home. I went with Darren Sproles for my running backs coach. Foundation He's, coming to crucify you. Yep. I know that the foundation's on their way to kill me for, like, I don't know, like... Being a homer. <laughs> yeah, being a homer. And, uh, gosh, what, what nepotism for former players. So <laughs> Is this the... This isn't the only time it happens, is it? Um, no, it is not. There's... Technically two more times, but one of them is like an asterisk because he, like he's actually a good coach. Okay. So like, <laughs> like it's not like just I'm picking a random player like to come back. Like I'm not like oh Martin Gramatica like special teams coordinator. <laughs> <laughs> like like the only thing he's been doing recently is uh, ads for DraftKings. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Darren Sproles I bring back. He's the perfect fit right now. I mean we have all the Deuce Vaughn comparisons, which I'm sure get annoying. They they kind of get annoying, but it's like. You have to see him coming. Like, short running back from K-State, do good. Yeah, people are going to say it's Darren Sproles. Like, there's not much that you can be doing about that. So he's perfect to bring back just because he's so similar to Deuce. Uh, He came back and uh, it looks like he uh, had been chatting a lot with the running backs, like, pregame against OU, and he was at practice doing some work with the running backs. So it's clear that, like, he, like, at the very least likes them. So... He, he could be someone to come in and uh, honestly be a pretty solid running backs coach. Although I do really like Brian Anderson. so Yeah, thank you for that perfect transition. Yeah, I was going to say, I kind of spoil your take here. but yeah, I, I'm keeping Brian Anderson. I think he's done an excellent job with the running backs that he's been given. I, there's not really much to say. I, I don't think that there's a single running back on the roster that either doesn't have upside, which is his recruiting, and that he hasn't in some way benefited in terms of coaching. I'm keeping Brian Anderson. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the obvious pick, honestly. Like, once again, you went first, so you're able to get, like, most of those, like, pretty, like, easy picks. Mm-hmm. Like, the easy pickings. But, yeah, Brian Anderson, he's one of the best recruiters on staff. And his position group has been one of the better ones on the staff since he got here. Even including 2019 when he arrived. And I honestly had no expectation for the running backs to even be serviceable that year. And... He came in with inheriting zero scholarship running backs and made a okay position group with James Gilbert and Jordan Brown. And like he did what he needed to. And he brought in Deuce Vaughn the next year and what would have been a Harry Trotter and Joe Irvin room, which is frightening. Yeah. But he brought in Deuce to salvage that room and give Joe Irvin Jacardi a little bit more time to develop. So pretty impressive stuff from Brian Anderson. Yeah. So here's where I use my first co, uh, co-coach spot, and this might sound strange, so I'm going to make it lead off by sounding even stranger. 
Both of the people I'm hiring for this position are currently unemployed. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it is Hal Mummy and Larry Fitzgerald. So, hear me out. Hear me out. We're hearing you out. Hal Mummy was a big mind in creating the air raid offense. He was a longtime receiver and receiver's coach in the air raid offense system. The air raid offense requires receivers to run crisp routes and use their brain. So therefore, those are both things that are highly coachable, right? And him being from that system makes him uniquely equipped to not necessarily train receivers in our system, but to train receivers to have the route running savvy and brain to find holes in zone coverage, which is very useful in Big 12 play, especially considering the three high safety look that like a half of the Big 12 runs now. So, how Mummy was my first choice because he's very good with the passing game. He was recently a head coach for the, I think it was the AAF, before the AAF imploded. So, he's not been out of coaching for too long. He has the acumen. He has the skills. So why not bring in someone who originally started off as just athletically better than everyone else in Larry Fitzgerald, and then throughout his later bits of his career... Even though he was freakishly technical before, he had to become more and more technical in order to keep getting catches. And he had insane hands, more tackles than drops throughout his entire career. So why not? Why not bring in Hal Mummy and Larry Fitzgerald to coach this receiver's room? Because obviously, what's happening right now <laughs> ain't working. Yeah, he... uh he was a guy that I honestly kind of wanted to pick as well, but I, like, once again, just couldn't do it. Like, because we've been talking about how mummy a lot recently, like, more than I ever have in my entire life, which mm -hmm. has been maybe three times. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> but, but yeah, I also used a co-coach's spot here at wide receiver. I made a pick, uh, um, one from uh, Iowa State and one from Ohio State. Uh, my Iowa State guy is Nathan Shieldhaus. Uh, he's a wide receivers coach at Iowa State, and he uh, he's kind of been a thorn in the side of <laughs> K-State for recruiting. He's an excellent recruiter, and he pretty much just mines all the best talent in the Kansas City recruiting base. <laughs> and like he, he's been just snapping Dibs. up balls. Yeah, Dibs. pretty much, yeah. He's just been snapping up all the good talent out of there. So from, from a recruiting perspective, he automatically reopens the door into Kansas City. And then the other guy I have is Brian Hartline from Ohio State. He's been the wide receivers coach there for, uh, I think, four years now. Mm -hmm. So yeah, four. he's seen some pretty incredible receiver talent come through there. Like right now, they have Chris Olave. Uh, he may have seen Michael Thomas. Um, well, he was there for five years. He's been the receivers coach for four years. Okay. So I think he probably would have at least been he around Michael, Th yeah. Michael Thomas. And then Paris Campbell. Yeah, and Paris Campbell. So, and then they have another other guys I'm sure that I am forgetting are from Ohio State. Was Terry McLaurin? Is he Ohio State? Yes. Yeah. So Scary he's, Terry was Ohio yeah, State. Yeah, so Terry McLaurin, he's currently tearing it up, tearing it up in the NFL. All right, bro. Forgive me. <laughs> but, yeah, I, Brian Hartline, uh, native of Ohio, 
um, went to Ohio State and then coached at Ohio State. So if we brought him here directly, he might be able to get at least one guy up the Ohio State receiver roster, which that immediately makes our receiver much better, even if he's like the last <laughs> walk-on. <laughs> like, like I take a Landry Weber plus. And <laughs> Landry. Landry. But uh, I would bring him in. And then also he'd give us a little access to Ohio, which is an underrated recruiting bed just because there's just so many – there's just so much football out in Ohio. Just we don't hear about it as much because it's not Texas and it's not Florida. So or Georgia or Georgia or Cali or I guess. Cali. Like so, we don't hear about Ohio as much just because it's kind of a forgotten area of the country. Since you know, air quotes doesn't exist. Yeah, God help you if you live in New England or like anywhere in the Northeast and you play football. Yeah, you don't exist. Sucks to suck for you, but yeah, Nathan Schielhaus and Brian Hartline, my wide receivers coaches. Now you got tight ends and fullbacks. Tight end fullback, I went with Stanford's tight end coach, Morgan Turner. If you're asking yourself, who's Morgan Turner, I will in turn ask you, who is Zach Ertz and who is Dalton Schultz? And if you're saying, oh, I know those excellent NFL tight ends, well, Morgan Turner coached them in college when they were at Stanford. So um, Stanford is basically, they're the... Pac-12 after dark version of Iowa tight end U. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just they're they're almost as good in terms of producing high quality NFL tight end talent, except nobody really knows because it's Stanford. So, yeah. but it's, it's more than just that. They have other names where if you look at them, you're like, oh, that guy, like Kobe Fleener. He's another guy where it's like I would never have considered saying his name, but then I read it in his bio and I was like, oh, he played football. And <laughs> so, yeah, but Morgan Turner from Stanford. Stanford's got a great uh, history of uh, really good tight ends there, so he'd be my pick. Yeah. And the the reason why neither of us took Iowa, which, by the way, I didn't take Iowa, is because Iowa's tight ends coach is their co-offensive coordinator. So we would have had to sacrifice one of our Coastal Carolina coaches in order to get the tight ends coach at Iowa. And I don't want to do that. So I instead went with another place that could be considered tight end U. I'd say there's like four places that are in the running for it. Stanford, Miami, Notre Dame, and Iowa. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, maybe Miami would have been the better choice. But I'm just going to go with John McNulty, the Notre Dame tight ends coach. Notre Dame is recently, the name that comes to mind is Cole Komet. And he's been okay. Yeah, he's been pretty solid. But they're, for no reason, the tight ends that they've created there, I think maybe Claypool was considered a tight end at some point, or at least did some tight end work. So look at their track record and just see that their tight ends are being consistently very good at very least in the college level. And that's my priority is trying to do as much as you can at the college level. I'm not so much focused on the pros. Just focus on what you can do at Kansas State University. So I'm going to pick John McNulty for tight ends and fullbacks. Uh, that I, The caveat there is the fullbacks just kind of have to figure themselves out. <laughs> Which, I mean, honestly, if you want, just bring back Jack Stanine as a graduate assistant. <laughs> you know, he doesn't count. As, he doesn't technically count as part of the coaching staff. True. So just bring him in as an analyst, and he'll just go out there and just 
run routes as a graduate assistant. <laughs> like, and then just like they'll mirror him, and then we'll have elite t- uh, elite fullbacks and tight ends. And so. tight ends, perfect. So now we move into the offensive line. This is one that I'm using my co-coach spot on, but I am retaining the current offensive line coach, Connor Riley. Um, technically, if you wanted to, you could keep him as well because that's not a change. But I'm keeping Connor Riley, but I'm adding one more, and that is Mitchell Schwartz. And the reason I say Mitchell Schwartz is because he's basically retired because his knees are shot and no one has signed him. Watch this blow up in my face and he signs tomorrow. (laughs) But Mitchell Schwartz was known for one thing in the NFL. He had a god-awful combine coming out of California. He is not athletic at all in any stretch of the imagination, especially for a starting tackle. And yet he was consistently the best tackle or one of the best tackles in the league. Why? Because he was the most technically sound tackle in the league, which that's what I want. Connor Riley can handle the more power running and physical development of the offensive line, and Mitchell Schwartz can help the tackles with pass blocking technique. Because Vaughn Miller, who would see Mitchell Schwartz twice a year, was infinitely stronger, faster, and overall a monstrously better athlete, and yet Mitchell Schwartz would consistently handle him because he was smart and used technique. And that's why I think he'd be an excellent coach. Yeah, I really like that reasoning, actually. I also used co-coach here. Um, I did bring back a former coach, though, uh, to Kansas State. Uh, one of my coaches was Jeff Quinn of Notre Dame. Uh, Quentin Nelson, that's it. Mike McGlinchey. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, just Joe Quinn. Thomas, bro. Just bring Mitchell Schwartz and Joe Thomas coaching an offensive line. Oh, dear. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, I just went with Jeff Quinn because Quentin Nelson is the best guard in football. And And probably the best guard that we've ever seen for the past, like, 15 years. Yeah, so, and he coached him in college. So, that's all I needed, honestly. (laughs) Then, for the rest of the offensive line, then I have... A former K-State offensive line coach, Charlie Dickey, who's currently coaching at Oklahoma State as the offensive line coach. Uh, he's a guy that was kind of sad when we weren't able to keep uh, when Bill Snyder retired. I think we tried to, but just weren't quite able to get a deal done. But we got Connor Riley out of it, and he's been also very good. So I would bring back Charlie Dickey in a heartbeat, and this is just a hypothetical work. We don't keep Connor Riley, which I seriously considered doing, but I just wanted to switch it up. Then... Charlie Dickey returns to Kansas State. He had some very good offensive lines while he was here. Had several uh, walk-on guys that ended up going pro, like B.J. Finney. Cody White here, I think he might have been a walk-on, actually. He's no longer he's no longer on your calendar because we changed months. So <laughs> No, time didn't go forward. We just changed month in the calendar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, that, and then for defensive line, uh, I did the same thing, sort of, uh, with as I did with Charlie Dickey, bringing back a former K-State coach. But he's also a former K-State player in Joe Bob Clements, who's also a former K-State coach that is now coaching Oklahoma State. We've lost a lot to Okie State. Okie State has taken everything that we hold dear. <laughs> and 
And Kleiman's the yeah. new head coach of Okie State after this year. That's disgusting. I'm sorry. Please stop. <laughs> but Joe Bob Clements, uh, while he's been at Oklahoma State, they've had absolutely excellent defensive lines. Uh, this year, they've been great. Uh, in six of the eight years that he has been the defensive line coach at Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State has had a first-team All-Big 12 defensive lineman. That is absolutely unbelievable for a not-named OU or Texas program. So it's pretty incredible, the stretch they've had there. And uh, they also have increased their average sacks per year from, I believe it was 19 before he was there, to uh, it's 25 and a half now since he's gotten there, which is pretty incredible stuff. And Joe Bob Clements was also a very good coach while he was here anyways. So would love to bring him back. And that's no disrespect to Buddy Wyatt or Tui. They're both great on-the-field coaches. Buddy's also just a very good on-the-field coach and recruiter. Tui's coaching on the field really well. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, Joe Bob, I'd bring him back for sure. Yeah. I am not bringing back anyone who's returning. I will, however, be sticking with a Midwest coach, and that is Kelvin Bell, the current Iowa D-line coach. And the reason I say Iowa's D-line coach is because, because well, Caden Crawford, but also they've been consistently very, 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 very good at stopping the run, which is, by the way, if you're doing pick-ems, um, this is not financial advice, because I'm legally obligated to tell you that, but uh, I would pick Iowa over Penn State, just because of how ridiculously good Iowa's run defense is. And a big part of that is their defensive line and how well they've developed technically. I think they're giving up 3.1 yards per rush in college, and they've played Iowa State already. <laughs> that is absolutely insane. Hold on. I'm going to, while you keep you keep talking about them, I'm going to go check some Iowa defensive stats. Yeah, I think at least it was 3.1. But, yeah, Kelvin Bell has done an excellent job developing the Iowa defensive line. And even though our defensive line coaches right now are doing pretty well, they're not simply <laughs> they're simply not just doing a three point one yards per carry. They are not that good. And Iowa's pass rush is no slouch either. So just a few years ago, I believe they had AJ Epinesa, who I had a very, very high grade on who's done all right for himself in the NFL. But, yeah, the defensive line at Iowa is beautiful teaching tape. And this is a case to where I honestly think Iowa is one of the best coach units in the country outside of Alabama. But Alabama does it with four and five stars. Iowa does it with three and four stars. So... Just take that information for what you will for their development of talent. Yeah, but I looked it up, and against Iowa State, Iowa gave up 3.1 yards per rush. Uh, Brees Hall had 16 carries or 69 yards. And other than that, the rest, the rest of the team combined, they had 11 carries for 18 yards. So pretty excellent stuff uh, from Iowa's defense. And they also were... Good enough to get Brock Purdy benched in that game, which yep. <laughs> I, I guess maybe not the craziest thing in the world. Brock Purdy isn't exactly a world beater. No, not no. really. He had a, he had excellent games against UNLV and KU. 
And this is where on. we all laugh. Moving on. <laughs> so I got the linebackers coach, and this is where I used my final co-coaching spot. And surprise, surprise, it is an established coach missed with a former player. And the former player, we'll start with that first, is Luke Keekley, who unfortunately had to retire from the NFL in his prime due to concussion issues. So let's give him an opportunity to come back so that he can teach our linebackers how to tackle. Daniel Green. Yeah, teach, Daniel. teach him how to tackle with his head up. Yeah. And avoid concussions. Yeah, boy. <laughs> <laughs> In this case, targeting. Yeah. But Luke Keekley was known for his coverage ability, his smarts, and his ability to be a very secure tackler. All of those are things that K-State's linebacking core will say can struggle with at times. Times. You could say that. Yeah. Also, Keekly is a very heady player, which in other words means that whenever you have a player that gets by off of almost exclusively his intelligence and not his physical talent, nine times out of ten he's going to be a very good coach, which is why Drew Brees for quarterbacks coach is an excellent choice. Yep. Keekly, he is an excellent pick to put in as the uh, linebackers coach but we also got another one you know how the georgia bulldogs are kind of really good this year specifically on defense yes uh an underrated part of their team for every single year that they've been a team is their linebacking core of course the natural example is roquan smith but they've all been consistently good at shedding blocks and have been absolutely amazing in coverage. Sometimes they look like they're safeties that can tackle and are much bigger. So, in terms of recruiting, excellent. In terms of coaching coverage, excellent. So, come on down to Kansas State University, Glenn Schumann, the University of Georgia linebackers coach. Welcome to the team. I would allow it, personally. I did not use my uh, last... Uh, co-coach position on linebackers, but I did bring back, I did do a little bit more nepotism for linebackers coach, mainly because I just didn't want to look around for linebackers coaches that weren't Georgia. <laughs> that's who I was going to pick. Yep. So I went ahead and brought back Arthur Brown Jr. Uh, he's out of the National Football League. He was on a uh, AAF roster, I believe, was what he was on for a little while. Uh, and so he's been out of football for a couple years. I believe he's retired now. I can't figure out what he's doing. He hasn't tweeted in like almost two years. So, <laughs> But I almost picked Mark Simino to do it, but right now he's like a strength and conditioning coach. I think he might be at KU now, honestly. But he he did have like his own clinic out uh, in Kansas City. So I'd bring back Arthur Brown Jr., who's been by far the best linebacker uh, at K-State in the last... 20 years? Until Tobio takes that spot. Until Tobio takes that spot. Oh, I mean, Toby Osen's on me. Yeah, Toby Osen's on me. <laughs> but, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to think about, has there been a better linebacker than Arthur Brown? No. In the last 20 years? No. I'm trying to think back to the 03 title team. No. I don't know, I'm just trying to, I just don't want to get into an argument with an old head. That's like, actually. It's going to happen anyway. 
I guess you're right. You picked Darren Sproles to be the running backs coach. That is true. I did. Well, there is no better running back than him. I remember the OU game that introduced Darren Sproles. He said, arguably, the best case state running back ever. You and I looked at each other like, arguably? He has, like, almost double the amount of career rushing yards as the next closest guy. Like, which, granted, Daniel Thomas did, like, second best in case of history in two years. Like, he was excellent. But Darren Sproles is Darren Sproles. Sproles. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, he, he exists for a reason. Anyway. Yeah, so now we move on to the last position group, which is defensive backs. And I use my last co-coaching spot here. I had a little bit of fun with this one. <laughs> because don't do it. I think this would be the most fun coaching oh. duo. Oh, don't do it. Ever. Oh, don't do it. <laughs> we will be A, keeping Van Malone, the current K-State defensive backs coach. And B, we'll be bringing in Deion Sanders from Jackson State. <laughs> <laughs> I would like you to picture... Van Malone and Deion Sanders coaching the defensive backs in practice, getting upset with how they're doing, and then just going in themselves and playing better coverage than our defensive backs. Oh, my God. The stubble field celebration. That would be its own unit in practice, would be how to taunt the other team and not get flagged. Yep. Yeah, and then we'd like have like random plays where Leon Sandcastle would like enter the game and be like, who's this random walk-on? <laughs> But yeah, Van Malone is absolutely hilarious from what I can tell. Deion Sanders is Deion Sanders. Just, just like picture a more perfect duo in your head. You can't. <laughs> okay, so if we allow Van Malone to just like stay as he is and you don't have to use a co-coaching spot on him, what would you use the last co-coaching spot on? Um, Do you want me to let you think about that while I give my answer? You mean like, like last co-coaching spot for a different position? Or you could use it on the defensive backs. But just a different coach. Yeah. Uh, Let me think about it. Okay. So I will give my defensive backs coach. And this is another really obvious one. And it's because the university itself has earned the nickname DBU. And they, when I say earned, I mean earned. They have the likes of Patrick Peterson, Tredavious White, Tyron Matthew, Right now, Derek Stingley, among many, many other names. And I am, of course, talking about Louisiana State University. And I'm picking their defensive backs coach, Corey Raymond, who has proved his coaching chops as well as his ability to coach them up. Because a lot of times, defensive backs is one of the toughest positions to coach in general. Because, yeah, you can have as much athleticism in the world but if you don't know how to run bump-and-run coverage, uh, that's not going to be a great time for you as a defensive back. So Corey Raymond, especially with the way LSU runs their defense, I am absolutely picking him up to be the brand-new defensive backs coach for the Kansas State Wildcats. And I can see you're still looking. So I'm almost done. I'm, I'm very done. close. Okay. Really? Really? <laughs> Yes. Okay, that's fair. Alright, I have come to a decision, and it is... committing to... And it is... I'm, I'm once again, I, I, I'm pretty much cheating again, but, like, I'm going to go ahead and have Luke Fickle. He's going to bring his defensive backs coach with him, just because I, like, I just want the guy to coach Sauce Gardner on our team. That's going to be Perry Aliano. He's a defensive backs... Or the cornerbacks coach at Cincinnati... And I 
I just want him here. He, and in 2019, the Lobos finished top 20. Because he was New Mexico State's uh, special teams coordinator and cornerbacks coach. They were top 20 nationally in three categories, uh, special teams-wise. Their punter was on the Ray Guy semifinal. New Mexico State, really? Apparently so. Uh, two, two starting New Mexico State cornerbacks ended up with NFL teams. After that, Jalen Burrell and D'Angelo Ross, which is pretty crazy because, uh, I mean, it's New Mexico State, and they're kind of, like, historically bad. Yeah. So good for this guy for getting some guys to the NFL. Uh, Perry Eliano, um, and now he's there at Cincinnati. They have Sauce Gardner among others, I and mean, that's a pretty great defense that they have. Their pass coverage is awesome. They're just they're just a really fun team to watch. I'm so happy that we're getting them in the Big Twelve. They're yeah. fun. I really like them. I'm not gonna like it when we have to face them, but I like it right <laughs> now when we don't have to actually deal with the immediate consequences. Yeah, so, exactly. So Perry Eliano paired up with Van Malone. That's another fun combo, I think. And Deion Sanders. And Deion Sanders. So, we'll go over the final list here. My staff is head coach Nick Saban, the current Alabama head coach. Offensive coordinator Willie Korn, the Coastal Carolina offensive coordinator and QB's coach. Defensive coordinator Mike Tressel, who's the current Cincinnati DC. Special teams will be Sean Snyder. Isn't he at USC? Uh, yes, he is. Okay. Quarterbacks is Randy Hedberg, the current North Dakota State uh, quarterbacks coach. Keeping Brian Anderson at running backs coach. Hal Mummy and Larry Fitzgerald as wide receiver coaches. Notre Dame tight ends coach John McNulty coaching the tight ends. O-line, we're keeping Connor Riley and adding Mitchell Schwartz. Defensive line, Kelvin Bell from Iowa. Linebackers, Luke Keekley and Glenn Schumann. Schumann being from Georgia. And then defensive backs, finally, Corey Raymond, the LSU defensive backs coach. All right, I'll run through mine now. Uh, head coach, I have Luke Fickle. He's uh, head coach of Cincinnati right now. Offensive coordinator, I have Newland Isaac of Coastal Carolina. Uh, defensive coordinator, Brent Venables of Clemson. Special teams, I have Stanton Weber. He's an analyst of South Carolina, former K-State special teams quality control. Uh, quarterback coach, I have Drew Brees. He's Drew Brees. Running back coach, I have Darren Sproles. He's Darren Sproles. <laughs> Our receiver had Nathan Shieldhaus of Iowa State and Brian Hartline of Ohio State. They're both receiver coaches already. Morgan Turner is my tight end fullback coach. He's the Stanford tight ends coach. Offensive line had Jeff Quinn of Notre Dame and Charlie Dickey, formerly of K-State and currently of Oklahoma State. Uh, defensive line had Joe Bob Clements of Oklahoma State, formerly of K-State. Linebackers had Arthur Brown Jr., he's, he's just chilling right now. Who, yeah. know, who knows what he's doing? <laughs> and then defensive backs, I have the wombo combo of Deion Sanders and Van Malone. <laughs> Deion Sanders, the head coach at Jackson State, and Van Malone, he's already at K-State. <laughs> oh, man. I love these segments so much. It's fun. It's fun hypotheticals. Um, oh, one thing I did want to bring up that I realized that I forgot to even say that we should be talking about is cross-country. Uh, we, were, we were requested to talk about cross-country like, directly. So I have them pulled up here. Were you, were you asked about it as well? I, I was. It was, quote, uh, bring up cross-country, you cowards. Oh, no. <laughs> it is okay. But basically, the most recent cross-country news that we have here is that they performed really well at a meet tournament run thing that they have. <laughs> um, the men... 
uh, as a team, they finished, I believe it was 8th out of 16 uh, in between Belmont and Texas A&M. Uh, they beat Baylor and KU as well. Uh, notable teams that finished ahead of them, like Iowa, Mizzou, North Florida. Is, North Florida got first. They're oddly good at running. Uh... I guess all the nerds like to run. But... <laughs> Um, and then, like, individually, um, looks like the highest K-State finish was Hadley Splector. Uh, he finished 17th. Pretty good. I believe he got Big 12 Runner of the Week, if I'm not mistaken. I I think that is a thing that happened. Um, yeah, he did, I Can think. Can you tell this is an off-the-cuff segment? What? <laughs> no, that can't be it. But anywho, the women, highest finishing was Sydney Burton. She finished 11th. By like three tenths of a second, so she was almost top ten, very close. And then, as a team, K State finished fifth out of sixteen, which is actually really good. And they finished only behind Texas A and M, Mizzou, Iowa, and Bradley. So nice stuff for the cross country team. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you're welcome, Lucas. <laughs> <laughs> Speedy McSpeedster. Speedy McSpeedster, you're welcome. We we talked about cross country. We will try and incorporate them in the future. Yeah. Oh, there's another thing. Well, I guess we'll save that for next week. (laughs) But thank you all for listening to this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats. If you want to talk to us on Twitter or through email, I'm messing up the outro. Our Twitter is at Aggieville ACATS. That's capital A, capital C, and capital... Oh, no. Capital A, capital A, and capital C in CATS. If you want to email us, we are AggievilleAlleyCats at gmail.com. You want to follow us on a more personal note? I'm at AC Edward 00. I am at Connor Bowdsor, capital C and capital B. If you want to support the show financially, you can buy merch from our merch store, which includes such designs as Play Sandstorm Cowards, as well as Alley Cats in the Alley, and other wonderful designs. But most importantly, thank you all for listening to this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast, where come rain, shine, or anything in between, We're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. Stay safe, Alley Cats.